You're listening to We Can Do This, a podcast by the National Consumers League. We talk through the issues of today with the figures who have paved the way for social and economic reforms and those carrying on the fight for an equitable tomorrow. Your host for this episode is Sally Greenberg, Executive Director at the National Consumers League. Scott Nash is founder and CEO of Mom's Organic Market, which began as a produce delivery service that he ran out of his mom's garage. Now Mom's has stores in four states and D.C. and employs over 1,000 people and is dedicated to protecting and restoring the environment. And Scott, I understand you've just opened your 19th store. Uh, We're particularly interested in your headlines in the Washington Post for eating expired food for a year, and you live to tell the tale. So we work on food waste, and Mm. we're very interested in your perspectives on that. So let me ask you uh, to start, what inspired your decision to eat expired food for an entire year? Generally, I do not like waste of anything. And being in the food industry, I see a lot of waste. It's right in front of me every day. I would see things, you know, and I'm kind of cheap also. And so I'd have things in my refrigerator where um, it was past date and it looked good to me, smelled good to me. And so I um, would eat it and, you know, I'd be okay. So I just started to question those dates because it seems like it seemed like hardly anything uh, was bad by the expiration date. Is there anything that you ended up tossing out or avoided and we're consumer-oriented. So we like the message about mm-hmm. not wasting food. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a household, we didn't waste food either. Mm-hmm. So I have that sort of in my DNA, and it sounds like we share that. Mm-hmm. But there are times when <laughs> you got to use your head and yeah. say, mm, maybe I won't, you know, yeah. I'm not going to eat this. So wh- what are your rules of the road? Well, I mean, it's the sniff test. The sniff test is important, especially on things like dairy and meat. Um, and then there's the visual test. How does it look? Is it discolored? Is there mold on it? Um, these are the things that... Uh, Wait, I, I thought mold was good for you. Well, it's not... You have to cook that stuff. <laughs> Some mold, blue cheese, of course. Um, but no, I don't eat moldy things generally. And then sometimes I, something was on the edge, like chicken, for example. And, you know, I'd rinse it off, and I couldn't tell if it was it was on the edge. Uh, so I'd cook it up. And then I take a bite, and then if it didn't taste great, that's going into my compost pile. Mm. Uh, but I, it's, but most of the times I can tell if chicken's bad, for example, or fish especially, uh, just coming out of the package. Have you ever gotten food poisoning? No, never. Never. Uh, mm. I mean, I got sick from oysters one time, but there, that was a thing in the water. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what's a weekend dinner look? Like for your family, because you you apparently do all the cooking for your yeah, family. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. Um, I mean, you know, that's funny you should ask because, you know, my office is right above my grocery store, one of my grocery stores. So <laughs> the way I shop is I go downstairs to the grocery store and I look at not what looks best, but what looks worst. And so... I kind of prepare my meals around things that are going past date, things that have a later date than what's up, things that might have a broken package. That, Examples are? Well, like lately I brought um, home a ton of chicken, which I cooked last night actually. And then f- there's like 
15 ground beefs up and one of them looks a little gray. It means usually the um, package has been broken, you know, the uh, air seal. I'll take it home, you know, and I don't eat it if it's bad, and but almost all the time it's good. And so that's kind of how I, uh, again, I hate waste, obviously. So you walk through the store and make decisions on yeah. what's looking like it, it could be uh, used quickly and yeah. not be wasted. It's sort of an interesting the customers want the freshest stuff possible, and we have the freshest stuff possible. But every grocery store has things that just aren't going to sell through uh, f- arbitrarily sometimes. Um, maybe somebody, somebody's overordered something. Uh, so I'll go through the produce, for example. And I'm, I might see a whole bunch of like um, potatoes that they're off-season. They're not looking as great as— They're growing those things you know, out of them. Maybe yeah. a little bit, or they're yeah. turning a little bit of a shade of green or something. You know, I'll look at that and say, well, it looks like we're having a, a huge tub of mashed potatoes tonight. Or maybe the asparagus is not in season. You know, it's looking a little tired. Take that home and we'll have asparagus, you know. So, uh, yeah, I shop the store the exact opposite way almost everybody else does. So I got to ask this question. Your stores are called Moms. Mm-hmm. All right. So where did you get this ethos about not liking waste? Must have come from somewhere. Well, yeah. I mean, my parents are uh, Midwestern transplants from Minnesota. Um, you know, and I think, you know, my dad was uh, a penny pincher. I mean, he was a teacher, a college professor. He he made good money back then, but... When what he, did he teach? He taught business. Um, and when he died in 1982, I mean, he was making like 40000 a year. And that was good enough, you know, very uh, commendable. But, you know, it was just in his, in both my mom and dad's... Um, culture and values to uh, not waste. You know, I don't mind paying for something great. Um, I don't like overpaying for anything. Um, And, you know, and then throwing stuff away is just, especially if you look at the ecological footprint of what it takes to uh, produce and bring food all the way into our kitchens. Like that's a hefty carbon footprint. And so it's even more kind of tragic to just throw that stuff into the trash or at compost power or wherever because of some arbitrary date or even a blemish. Yeah, well, we waste 40% of our food in mm-hmm. the United States, and I grew up in Minnesota. Oh, did you? Yeah, in my, my town? Minneapolis. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's where my mom grew up. And my mother never <laughs> wasted anything. Well, and... <laughs> I, I, lo- I, and love, so, I love Minnesota, by the way. Yeah. You know, people I meet from Minnesota seem to be um, caught from the same mold. Um, and my dad grew up in Tracy, Minnesota. Okay, uh, there you go. Well, you west. know, it's a farming community, too. Yeah. You're surrounded by farmers, and, yeah. and you know how hard they work to grow the food. Yeah. And so food's a lot cheaper than it once was, and so people feel more yeah. liberty, I guess, to waste it. But yeah. So you run a bunch of supermarkets, uh, you know, all over the metropolitan area, and you see a lot of food waste. Yeah. What drives you craziest about uh, what you see? Well, I mean, I hate stuff going into the trash. You know, there's the the ridiculous waste of, like, this goes in, into the trash, and there's the money waste. Um, but the money waste, honestly, isn't as painful as the, you know, into the trash waste. And so we uh, take most of our food and donate it to kitchens, you know, who are feeding the hungry. So that's good. You like know, what gets donated? How do you every, dis- uh, is it stuff that's past the sell date or doesn't look as good yeah, as it should? Everything, you know. And it's funny though, some charities don't even take expired food even though it's perfectly fine. I live in Bethesda and I every year somebody leaves a grocery bag on my front 
taped up with a piece of paper stapled to it saying, please donate your items. We'll pick it up on X date, but no expired food. And all they take is mostly canned goods and bottles, and that stuff never goes bad. So even they aren't willing to take expired canned goods. I mean, the whole idea of a canned good is that there's no oxygen and the stuff will last forever. I mean, I hear they're still eating sea rations from, you know, past wars. So people just are looking at these dates kind of neurotically, if I'll use a strong word like that. It's just, or irrationally, it just doesn't make sense. So how would you change policy if you were in charge of labeling these products? The industry has tried to be uh, cognizant of mm-hmm. the fact that people are throwing food away inappropriately, but how, maybe they're not going far enough for you. How would you, uh, if you could... Put labels mm-hmm. on foods. What would you What would you say? You want to keep people safe, clearly. Is, but is, is the industry concerned? Is that what you? Well, you know, FMI and GMA, these yeah. two industry giants, their mm-hmm. trade associations, mm-hmm. they change the labeling to say "best if used by" mm. as opposed to expiration dates. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's great. I mean, expiration date means it's expired. You know, it's dead. Whatever. You know, um, and that's the thing is you have, and I'm glad they're doing that. But you have Best Buy, Best If Used Buy, Expires On, Sell Buy. It's just so confusing. People just see a date. They don't care what those words are really. They just assume, you know, I'm going to get sick at the stroke of midnight of this date. I need to throw it away. And I'm here to testify that 9 out of 10 things are not even – you can't even notice that they're old that are past date. Well, you and I are living examples of people who eat expired food all the time and mm. we're fine. Yeah. I, I had one bad experience and that was only because I did something stupid with fish. <laughs> and it was it was like a fish cake that I took on a hike with me. Uh, uh, and, you know, that was not a good idea. Well, that's not expired food. That sounds like poor food handling. It, it was poor. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Well, yeah. you would know. You're, uh-huh. you're in the business. Yeah. So, in general, I would say, you know, we're on the same page in the last, I, I never have gotten sick from anything. So, mm-hmm. I I think, you know, the, we don't want to be irresponsible with consumers and we don't want to get consumers sick. But I think the word has to go out. There's a lot of food that you could be eating that yeah. you're being advised not to. And it's resulting in this this epidemic of food yeah. waste. Well, look, you know, people, um, there's there are, societies become really anxious to the point of, I think you could classify it as a disorder at this point, about everything. And so, you look at like these food scares. You know, someone gets sick. There's some romaine lettuce here, whatever, and the whole world knows about it. And then it gets recalled. I mean, I'll tell you, like the romaine recall last Thanksgiving was tragic uh, with the amount. I mean, they recalled every head of lettuce in this country. It just seems like, I mean, and that really hurt a lot of people, a lot of farmers, everybody right up and down the uh, the food chain. So. I feel like uh, we've really gone overboard on our anxieties around food safety. And here's the other thing. If you do some research online, the pH levels, I mean, if if you really do finally get something bad, the pH levels in our stomach is high, uh, even compared to wild omnivores. So at some point, we as humans probably survived on carrion. I mean, you know, we needed that as an option. Dead, kind of rotting Meat that was was cooked. No, it was found it was in the cooked. woods. Like no. like, and so, ten thousand years ago, whatever you know. And um, so you know, I'm not really saying eat stuff that's rancid, and your stomach will take care of it. But as a as a as a failsafe, our bodies are there to protect us, and they do a good job at it. Yeah, and people could try it, and you know, it's a hit or miss. But for the most mm-hmm. part, 
Mm-hmm. As I said, we're living examples yeah. of people who, who uh, you know, use caution, but mm-hmm. don't believe everything yeah. necessarily on the label. Yeah. So let's talk about organic. The label organic, like, there's a lot of mythology around, oh, you can't believe this label or that mm-hmm. label. The organic label is a good, verifiable label mm-hmm. I, from a consumer perspective, mm-hmm. at least from where we sit. You know, it's the most regulated food label we have. Um, and, you know, people don't, quote, trust it or they think it's a sham. Like, it is the most regulated uh, food label that we have. Uh, you have to be certified. There are on-farm inspections. It's serious. And if, if you violate the, the organic certification standards, you go to jail. And they take certifications away from people who are caught to be, if not deliberately fraudulent, you know, just making mistakes. So. It's very trustworthy. You know, some people, I think, things are applied to them, you know, like pesticides, um, organic foods. But they're organic pesticides, for example. It's not what people necessarily think it is. Everyone just thinks it's like food grown 300 years ago. No, they're innovative in in the ways that they kill pests. But it's all organic uh, applications. And better for the environment? Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's, that's not saying much, by the way. I mean, they, they, they don't hurt the environment. But the chemical farming destroys the environment. So, yes, they're much better for the environment than chemical farming, but that's not saying much. Tell us about your niche in the organic grocery industry. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of competition. Yeah. And will you share with us you know, what your day-to-day struggles are with that and the positives and the negatives of some of the uh, your organic uh, yeah. competitors? I started this company – me and a guy actually started this company who I bought out just a few months after we, we started it uh, in 1987 in July. So we're 32 years old now. And, you know, the industry's changed so much in 32 years, so much. And, you know, Whole Foods gets a lot of credit for that. Now, I, think, I think they started in like 78 or something. I don't know. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, 80. But since I, I never forget I was in my basement. I think it was about 2001 or two. A commercial came on my TV and it was for organic Rice Krispies. And at that moment, after being in business for about 15 years, I thought, oh, my God, or- organics has just gone mainstream. Like, I-, I knew it was getting out there a little bit, but that was the first TV commercial I ever saw for an organic product. And, you know, since then, of course, it just keeps taking off. A bigger percentage of our whole food, entire food um, sales and farming so I'm lucky to be in an, in an industry. You asked about competition. I'm lucky to be in an industry where demand has really outstripped supply for like 40 straight years. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not a war out there between competitors. And everybody now has organic foods, you know, Costco, Giant, Safeway, everybody. We are really dedicated to organics. We carry more of a percentage of organic products than any other grocer that we know of. We have very high ingredient standards. So we're kind of like an extreme or radical organic grocer. And Whole Foods is like um, they're a great stepping stone between like us and the conventionals, like Safeway and Giant. And by the way, when you when a consumer – a consumer do, doesn't just wake up one day and decide I'm going all organic. You know, it's a, it's a process for sure. And so then that process can take years. So – Whole Foods is very good at transitioning people who are otherwise buying crap at like Giant and Safeway and moving them closer to buying more and more organic products. So Whole Foods is has helped us in the whole industry. 
you know, yet if we have a whole county to ourselves and they open in the county, we're going to lose some business, uh, but not much. Um, and then you have all these other competitors. Again, organics is kind of everywhere. But Why would someone go to uh, Moms as opposed to Whole Foods? Well, all of our produce is organic, certified, and to me, it's the highest quality. Actually, it's not to me, to everybody. It's the highest quality produce you can get. We get daily deliveries, uh, and our handling is uh, and our standards are, are really top-notch. We have an incredible selection of products. We It's like a treasure hunt. You can come into our stores and find products that, frankly, Whole Foods is too big to carry. And so you get all these smaller manufacturers who uh, launch their products in our stores. How about the shopping experience? And the shopping experience is um, there's a lot of science behind retailing and consumerism and shopping. Um, and so our shopping experience is really, um, we call it a stress-free oasis. So we, I almost don't want to share trade secrets, but we, there, there are certain things we do to make the shopping experience, the grocery shopping experience, really relaxing. You know, I never forget, you know, I've got kids who are 19, 17, and 14 now, but when they were much younger, you know, 10, 15 years ago, my wife and I were out at dinner with a couple, and they had kids, um, our kids' age. They got into an argument right in front of us. And the topic was, who's going grocery shopping tomorrow? And it wasn't who's not going, it's who's going. Because they wanted to get the hell out of the house, you know, and have something to uh, do. And so I realized then, like, we, we have to make this, people have to go grocery shopping, and they want to go grocery shopping. So, and, and a lot of grocers, they make it a worse experience. They cut, like, they do self-checkout. Oh, you don't believe in self-checkout? No, it's a terrible idea. It's, it's the last, it's the only guaranteed human-to-human uh, -human interaction a business has with a with their customer. Why forfeit that? It's the craziest thing ever. So, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of grocers are not great retailers. Trader Joe's is a very good retailer, and Whole Foods is a very good retailer. So anyway, th these are some of the things that we do to differentiate ourselves from the competition. Can people who don't have a lot of money shop at your stores and not spend every penny they make on food? <laughs> yes, Okay, like 15 years ago, Super Value, you know, a major conventional retailer uh, wanted – and a lot of people have tried this. They try to jump into the uh, organic foods fad. Uh, you know, they, they want to capitalize on, on the trends. It's not a fad, by the way. It's a 40-year fad. And they don't understand the consumer or the marketplace, and they're not very authentic. So they will choose locations where they think it's got to be a college town, you know, high education – Super wealthy. But no, I mean, we, we have great stores in solid middle class areas and regions. You have to have a minimum income, but you don't have to be wealthy. And, but here's the thing. People are so dedicated to organic foods. It's a lifestyle. So, you know, they'll forego like vacations or whatever, you know, to – it's kind of like asking somebody, hey, let's go to this cheaper, less competent doctor, like, you're just not going to get people to do that, you know. And so the way organic consumers see it, this is a lifestyle choice. It's higher quality. It's better for our health, and it's better for the environment. There's, that's that's very valuable to the organic consumer, and they don't compromise on that. Have you ever contemplated the concept of food deserts and opening up in areas where there isn't many options? I've contemplated it, but it's not uh, something that would work. And that's actually, I've seen that fail. I mean, food deserts, it's a problem. It's a huge problem when somebody can't get food conveniently. 
but this is organic foods. And I will say that um, people who live in poverty or you know very low income, they have other things to worry about than the environment or their or their you know health, for example. I mean, they're worried about their life, their survival. And, you know, I will say that also our food system has sold people, especially in this country, a bill of goods with the high fructose corn syrup and the trans fats. And, you know, it's ridiculous how those types of foods get subsidized by the USDA, you know. And so everybody, you know, white white bread and flowers and things, uh, it's just terrible for people's health. And people low income or poor, that's part of their culture. It's cheap food. Uh, And they're forced into that. Growing up on crap food that's cheap, that is subsidized by the government. So going into bringing organic foods. It's like a catch-22. It is a Mm catch-22. Into a food desert, no one's going to walk in there and buy it because it is more expensive because it's more valuable. It's, It's a better product. And it's not subsidized is why it's more expensive as well. And they don't want it anyway, generally. I mean, if they did, then there would be organic foods in in really poor areas. And whenever anyone tries to do it, it usually fails, almost always fails. Well, you know, the SNAP program through USDA is now offering uh, Mm -hmm. at at Amazon deliveries. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in a food desert, you could get uh, food delivered. And I wonder if you guys have contemplated that. No. Um, you don't do food delivery? No. We, we really try and focus on uh, bricks and mortar, providing the best experience. It, and I have a lot of opinions on food delivery. I don't think it's ever really going to be substantial. I'm sure it's not. Um, it's always overhyped. Wall Street and investors overhype every new food trend, whether it's you know food delivery back in the early 2000s or meal kits recently with like Blue Apron or food or Amazon when they bought Whole Foods, everybody went crazy. Like grocery is one of the last industries where humans like they forage and that's an instinctual thing. And so and they like to they don't like to be isolated like so many people are these days with social media and all the the um, things to keep us away from people. So I believe that the grocery shopping experience is one of the last bastions of human interaction and, you know, f- uh, creative shopping. And you also play a role in the whole uh, climate change discussion and debate. You ban plastic bags. You ban uh, plastic water bottles. Tell yeah. us about that. You know, I mean, mom's purpose is to protect and restore the environment. It's, it's um, I think a lot of corporations get their mission statement wrong or their purpose. It's usually like, They confuse it with the brand promise. And we already talked about mom's brand promise when you asked what differentiates us from the customer. So you'll see a lot of corporations with like a a brand uh, mission statement that says like treat every guest like every customer like they're a guest in your home. Like that's not – that doesn't really make the world a better place. That's just like a customer service policy. So, you know, we sell something that is inherently um, good for the environment. And so we're very proud of, of what we sell. And we're all environmentalists, and we um, uh, are urgently trying to prote- protect and restore the environment. It's actually why it drives everything with our company. And a lot of people think that big companies are bad just because they're big. And I don't buy that for one second. As a matter of fact, if you're a really great company with a strong purpose, I hope you take over the world. You know, I mean, look at Tesla or you know a lot of these these great companies, you know, solar companies. I hope that um, these good companies with strong purposes uh, get to be 
gargantuan. Um, and so we like we want to grow because we have uh, more leverage uh, when we now do a press release. It gets noticed. When we take action, it gets noticed. We can earn more money and give more donations to the activist groups who support our uh, worldview and purpose. So to us, we're a great company, and so we want to be as big as we can be. You also have a reputation. We'll shift a little bit to um, how you uh, take care of your employees Mm -hmm. and motivating the workforce and paying them a living wage. Can you talk about that? Because Whole Foods founder, as you know, was very resistant to some of those kinds of reforms. Well, uh, John Mackey, was he resistant? I don't know if that's true. I mean, he didn't, he thought, he did call healthcare fascism, uh, I think. He, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but uh, Obamacare, he called, you know. Um, uh, and that was, re- and he's also doubted climate change, I think. Like, what a nut. Um, and he's very anti union. <laughs> Yeah, but you see, and spoke out about that. Well, <laughs> I have my opinions as well about many things, but you know, we compete for customers. We also compete for employees. You know, and so the federal minimum wage at seven twenty-five. You know, that's that's immoral. I mean, and and we're trying to pay people who are doing the hardest work, and they're working. It's not a handout. You know, like like. And it's good for the economy. It's not just the moral thing to do. It gives these – the people who are at the minimum wage, they're not socking it away for – you know, they're not hoarding it in some bank account or trust fund. They are turning it right back into the economy like right away. So it's a win-win uh, to raise the minimum wage. And, you know, Amazon did really good with that. They they said at Whole Foods we're raising our minimum wage to $15. So – and a lot of retailers are coming up and we're coming up. We were – early, one of the first people to pay a higher minimum wage, and we took strong positions on it. I did a lot of speaking and lobbying on Capitol Hill, and we won. I mean, now minimum wage, the federal minimum wage, we haven't won on that yet, but a lot of states are raising cities, um, and so the movement... And you support that? Yeah, totally. And matter of fact, we're about to raise... Uh, we're having huge discussions now. We're, we're, we're now... Believe it or not, we've kind of fallen behind a little bit at Moms. Uh, we were the first to jump way up, and now, in just a short period of time, the minimum wage for a lot of corporations has gone past us by a buck, or maybe they've tied us or a little less, but everyone's come up, and so we don't have the competitive edge anymore in hiring and recruiting. I believe um, that um, the economy is driven from the bottom up, not the trickle down, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're about to raise our minimum wage once again way up there. So you've carved out a, a kind of an interesting niche you didn't finish college. Mm-hmm. You dropped out. You said uh, every boss you've worked for in the past, you considered an idiot, <laughs> which I particularly liked. Don't always agree, but I thought it was a great line. <laughs> so, well, well, that's the mark of an entrepreneur. <laughs> so tell us about your personality characteristics of an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, they've actually kind of identified it. Um, and it's an ENTP in the, on the Myers-Briggs scale. I mean, that doesn't mean every entrepreneur is an ENTP. What does that stand for? Uh, extrovert, intuitive, thinking, perceiving. And I'm, I took that test about 30 years ago. I remember, and I'd already started my business, and the book I was using at the time said, if there's one word to describe your personality, it's entrepreneur. So, and other people, but the the traits of an entrepreneur, basically, we hate authority. We like to help people. Um, we like to um, offer value to consumers. It's kind of those 
two things mainly. We make bad employees, and we're not very good students either. Do you have a message you'd like to leave with American consumers who are listening to this interview? Well, I mean, on the expired food thing, for sure. And I'll go back to that, by the way. A lot of things they put expired dates on that can't expire, like salt, baby wipes. I mean, it's just gotten out of hand. You know, but for the consumer, the food consumer, you know, it really matters. Like, um, I feel like buying organic foods is an investment in so many things. It's not a higher cost. Actually, there's a huge higher cost to buying the chemically farmed food and the empty calories. Uh, Organic food is higher quality in its flavor, but it also is almost like a social movement, just like civil rights have been a social movement, for example, over time. That's why organic foods is not a fad. It's a long-term trend that I don't think is ever going to go backwards. So you're a food guy, and we're in an American uh, environment where obesity, overweight and Mm -hmm. obesity at our all-time highs. Yeah. Well, that's white flour and white sugar, you know, or, or high fructose corn syrup, and and it's trans fats. And so what's happened is, um, um, again, those have been subsidized. The obesity epidemic, I believe, could be mostly knocked out if people stopped drinking their calories and they started to eat whole grains. Those two things, like like okay, if you want your coffee, that's fine. If you want a glass of wine, that's fine. But stop with the sugary drinks, even milk. Like if people would stop drinking their calories and start to to eat mainly whole grains, I think that the obesity epidemic would would really... um, The same thing with food waste, by the way, and these expired food dates. Like, if we could get these... Like, you said 40% of, you know, we waste food. Our food is tossed out. Yeah. Well, like, I... So I think people are focusing on, like, hey, smaller plates, or hey, restaurants, whatever, you know what I mean? But, you know, if we could get these food this food dating system to be intelligent and consistent, I think you could cut our food waste in half. Would you get rid of expiration dates? No. How would you handle it? Or just make them smart, you know? Like, first of all, an expiration date means I wouldn't eat this. Not that it's Best Buy. I just wouldn't eat this. And and it's appropriate for things like chicken and fish and, and milk. But, you know, I used heavy cream. I mean, I don't know if you saw my blog. I used heavy cream months past the expiration date. It's, it's just fine because fats are preservatives. So they need to be set intelligently, not you know, like, oh, my God, something could possibly go wrong here. Or, by the way, maybe the manufacturer is lobbying to have these short dates because of planned obsolescence. You know, when we throw something away, they profit from that. So smart expiration dates, you know, they should go on the things that actually expire, not things like salt or canned goods. And then uh, and make the dates smart to reflect reality. One of the areas of future possibilities are incorporating bugs and insects into our diet. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a healthy. A lot of the world already does that. It's you know bugs grow very quickly. They pack a nutritional punch, high protein. Uh, they have a small carbon footprint. So We're, you know all about about the the, the potential for bugs yeah. to. Yeah, I mean we sell stuff like cricket corn chips and things now and we're so disconnected from our food sources and system. A pet peeve I have in a way is the pet lover who like loves pigs to eat. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a pig is smarter than your dog and you love your pet like it's your kid yet, you know, you eat bacon and pork chops like in ham and saucers like nobody's business without even thinking about it. I, I dare anyone who loves their pet so deeply 
Go to a slaughterhouse and see what's happening. An organic slaughterhouse, anything, you, a totally, quote, humane slaughterhouse. You know, how do you kill something humanely? You're killing it, you know? I mean, I eat meat, by the way, so... Yeah, I was going to ask, because you were tra- talking about buying yeah. the chicken and the, and the burgers. Yeah. Do you go to slaughterhouses? No, but but I, I, I know what happens there. I have a friend who has one, and, and I think I'd be okay with it, and... Um, because I've given it thought and, you know, I've seen some videos and stuff. And by the way, the way I kind of rationalize that is I only take the expired stuff, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's already kind of been processed. Um, the meat that, that I eat, I mean, not completely, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I see my pets. Uh, I think I'm consistent. I don't see pets as, as being like humans and children, even though I've got two cats and a dog who are freaking awesome. Um, they're still uh, not as important to me as my children. And I know what happens in these slaughterhouses. Uh, and it's, I urge everybody to go through any slaughter. I actually have been to a slaughterhouse uh, for turkeys. So anyway, and there are more humane ways of doing it. We just got um, contacted by uh, Ingrid from PETA because she said the ostrich we were selling it's not humane. And so we investigated. Uh, she got one part of the kill process wrong uh, that we found She's out. She's the CEO. Of PETA. Of PETA. Yeah, the right. founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the founder. Yeah, and so... Um, you don't want to get in her, her, her uh, crosshairs. No, but, you know, we're not going to get in her crosshairs because I usually agree, you know. And, and, I mean, if she's making sense, I mean, I'll get in anyone's crosshairs if I think they're wrong, and I'll battle that. But, but... Um, you know, she was right about the ostrich. And and basically what it came down to is this is a really huge animal, which is difficult to kill humanely, you know, quickly. And and so we decided we, we better stop carrying this. This is I could, We just got v- visions of, you know, an ostrich slowly being killed. Difficult. You know what I mean? So anyway, I mean, I'm being graphic here, but this is this is how our, our food system is. And we're so far removed from it. Uh, Michael Pollan, who writes mm-hmm. about food, he's yeah. written all the very mm-hmm. many famous books, mm-hmm. says that we have incisors and teeth that are meant to eat meat. Mm-hmm. And he said the problem is the way we uh, we slaughter meat, and yeah. it's inhumane, and it's not it's painful. And if it's quick and humane, mm-hmm. and they live decent lives, then it's that's how he rationalizes. Yeah, it. I mean, look, for a long time, I didn't eat mammals because I thought they were more intelligent than. There's the the evolution, you know, they're more intelligent than, uh, let's say, maybe a fish, you know, or a crab, which is kind of like an ocean insect. You know, so I kind of have my scale, you know, and, you know, pigs are so smart, smarter than dogs. So everybody has their standards and process. Um, Eating meat isn't great, you know. I mean, something is in terror and and it's bad for the environment. So, but here's the thing is, you know, I get interview right now me talking about this issue and i I, they're gonna they'll have a lot of uh feedback for me and my response to many is it's a process for people just like organic foods like people don't go grocery shopping at walmart for 10 years then suddenly hit us you know there's this process in between so people have to be allowed to be on their 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 journey or process of change and so Maybe people will stop eating red meat and, you know, and they'll eat fish instead, you know, which is not as bad for the environment. And then, again, it might take years. So we at Moms, we give people – first they might stop eating that CAFO meat, the large, huge factory farms, and they'll transition over to the humane meat that we sell from Ayrshire Farms. You know, that's organic. You know, 
yeah, it's not perfect, but they're improving, and it's part of their journey of a better diet. So this has been great. Tell us about, before we close, tell us about some of the initiatives mm-hmm. and the new projects you're undertaking, places you're opening, mm-hmm. uh, new uh, stores. What what do you see in for mom's future? We're going to keep growing because, like I said, we think we have a real urgent purpose. And we're going to – we have 19 stores now. We're in Philly. And we're looking in New York. We're, we're going to open another store in the Philly region this um, – probably this year or early next year. You know, we were talking, we have a store coming in Northwest D.C., but that's new construction, so it'll be a few years, I think. Um, Any new initiatives we should know about in your well, space? Uh, I mean, we're, we're really focusing mainly on um, on um, renewable energy. You know, that's the name of the game. I mean, I, I think we're, we're really, we probably already are past the point of no return when it comes to climate change. I mean, here's the problem with humans is that until they feel pain or discomfort, they're not going to change as a general group. Uh, it's just nature. It's not even human nature. It's just kind of nature. You know, we re- we react, life reacts to pain and discomfort as a source of change. What they say is that when the pain of change becomes less than the pain of not changing, that's when people change. And so it hasn't, no one's suffered any pain yet from this, the environmental uh Havoc that's being wreaked. How does summer on record? How does summer on record? And, you know, all the scientists predicted this 30, 40 years ago, and here we are. Now, the great thing about life is it adapts, so, you know, who knows? Uh, but it's too, too, uh, too risky for me. And so we are urgently focusing on really two things bother me the most. It's uh, climate change and the, you know, the burning of carbon uh, and then plastics pollution. It just drives me crazy. And one last follow-up question, renewable energy. What are you doing? We offset all of our energy with either wind or solar and others, I think, too, uh, uh, hydroelectric. So we're supporting subsidizing the industry by you know, buying that renewable energy directly. But we're also building on-site. Uh, we have solar farms on some of our stores. We, end up, we opened up a huge solar farm in Kingsville, Maryland, uh, right around our, our White Marsh store. So we're, we're doing everything we can um, to focus on solar and wind. And then plastics is just the worst. I mean, everything's made out of plastic or clothing. And, and yeah, so th- these are the things that we're, we do a, a million things. We recycle batteries. We recycle shoes. You know, we, we do. Can all, people bring batteries uh, to the store? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they bring everything. So we recycle so much stuff, wrappers. They can bring clothes, batteries, shoes. Yeah, we have a jeans drive where they take that and they make it into into home insulation. So we do everything we can, but you know, again, it's the climate change and the plastics pollution that doing. Really, I can't do more. You know, I don't think. You know, we're just doing as much as we can because it's a, a real uh, issue. And your kids. My kids, yeah, I got three of them, and, yeah. and what do you think? What do you, what's in their future? You know, the 2016 election really traumatized, I think, so many of us. It shifted our, it was, you know, like the old Don Henley song, "It's the End of Innocence." Human nature is tricky, and you know, our instincts run amok. There's a lot of fear, anxiety, and and fear and anxiety can take the form of selfishness and greed. You know, that was a bit of a perspective shift for me. You know, it put me into the, 
You know, I've been alive. I'm 54. In the easiest time it's ever been to be alive for any life form on this planet. And I'm so lucky. Um, I mean, how easy has my life been, you know, being a white man in America? You know what I mean? Uh, it, it might as well be royalty, you know, I, and I know I have my privilege and, uh, and I'm aware of it and I try and be grateful for it and I'm aware of other people's lack of privilege. Um, and it is unfair. Things are changing and I don't know how, how much longer it's going to be this easy. Uh, is it going to be in my lifetime, my kid's lifetime? I just don't know. But, but that uh, the recent events of the world, you know, either dating back to you know nine eleven or from there to here, they're getting pretty significant. And uh, uh, so I'm grateful for what I have right now. I have to ask you about ugly foods. I don't really believe It'd in be that. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny because I am a believer. I mean. You can probably understand my ideological beliefs, worldview. I, I'm a believer in the marketplace, the supply and demand. You know, a baby carrot is not a baby carrot. A baby carrot is a ugly carrot that's been put th- repurposed, put, put through a machine, and made into a little knob. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and you know what? Great. I mean, it's an ingenious way of bringing to market something that was previously being thrown away, and I. I don't. I'm not a manufacturer, but my assumption is that apples and things and things grown grapes, you know, they grow them for, you know, apple juice or TV dinners, whatever, you know. Um, and then the stuff comes to the retail shelf, fresh produce. That's something that has to look. Good. That's just the way consumers are um, for retail sales. So, um, ugly produce or ugly food. And no one's going to buy it. There's no market demand, like even at a cheap rate. Like, and I know people have tried it. You know, there's uh, the former president of Trader Joe's opened up um, the Daily Table in Boston, and then you know, again, in the grocery industry, industry you see these uh, fads or trends come and go. Fads, and um, one of them was ugly produce. Like, we're gonna, you know, no one wants that stuff, even at a discount. It's like a bag of stuff that might be edible, but People want their stuff looking good, you know. So I I do believe uh, they're putting a lot of that stuff into, like, manufactured products. Um, And the 40% food waste thing, that number, I wonder about it because I don't know if these are the former baby carrots sitting in the the field. Uh, You You think it's bigger or smaller? I think it could get smaller, you know. you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're including in on that. Um, I don't think that forty percent number though is people throwing stuff away that they didn't finish eating. You know what I mean? I think it's or spoilage at the market. I, I think it includes from maybe the time that that uh, the um, it could include the farm waste. You know, which again, if you're a, a large carrot manufacturer and you want to be profitable. You'll find something to do with that waste. But I think that might already be happening. Like, again, I'm sure you have apple growers out there who take their grade A. Extra, Make apple chips. Extra, extra fancy stuff, and they, they give that to me. But then their, their bruised stuff or misshaped stuff, they give that to the manufacturer. So I feel like um, the marketplace uh, is already taking care of a lot of food that would otherwise be wasted, you know, mm-hmm. like the baby carrots. Before we close— who do you admire in the industry or mm. outside the industry? And now I know you—you're—you're—you're you're, you're an iconoclast, so you probably 
don't have a lot of uh, folks you look to, but you did talk about Tesla. Well. And Whole Foods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, you know, corporate America, it's it's seen in a certain way by people, you know, and, you know, you have like the Enrons of the world, you know, I mean, Enron's values were like respect, integrity, excellence, sustainability, like a fraud, you know, and everybody knows that story. But, you know, the greatest companies on this planet were founded by liberal entrepreneurs. And I can, you know, it's Chipotle, the ones who totally disrupted entire industries. You know, John Mackey. I mean, he is veered towards libertarianism, but, I mean, he's obviously a progressive, at least was and still is mainly. You have Chipotle. Totally disrupted fast food. I mean, McDonald's, Burger King, that's all we had. And now we have all this fast casual stuff, all these new concepts. It's because of Chipotle, Tesla, you know, even uh, Costco, incredible model. Um, I mean, they sell a lot of organics. They sell a lot of crap. But they are socially liberal. You know, they believe uh, Jim Sinegal, he spoke at the Democratic Convention on workers' rights, you know. So, um you know, and even, I mean, I read Steve Jobs' book. He, you know, he hated Fox News. You know, you have Google, you know, all these people who have, you know, Bezos, you know, all these people who have disrupted the, the, the commerce across the world were liberals, you know. So I admire all those guys, you know, because, and you get big. I mean, even I'm mad at Facebook now. I freaking hate them now, you know, because they, they're not taking, I mean, Zuckerberg keeps promising and then doesn't deliver. And he keeps saying the same stuff over and over again. And they're not, not uh, taking action. But anyway, you get my point. You know, Warren Buffett, greatest, you know, another progressive who believes in, in, in taxing the wealthy. So uh, I admire all the other entrepreneurs who are the greatest entrepreneurs on this planet. And they're liberals who are um, changing the world. Who believe in climate change and and greater income equality. You know, science and facts and and smart economics, that that type of stuff, yeah. This has been incredibly inspiring. Thank you, Scott, for taking the time to talk with us Mm -hmm. and for everything you do in the community and for providing consumers with an alternative and uh, wonderful organics Mm -hmm. option. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to We Can Do This, a production of the National Consumers League. We Can Do This is a member of the District Productive. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred podcast app. And hey, tell your friends about us. We love feedback, so give us a rating or review. You can also talk to us through the National Consumers League's Facebook page or on Twitter at NCL underscore tweets. That's NCL underscore tweets. Still can't get enough? Visit nclnet.org. That's N-C-L-N-E-T dot O-R-G to learn about our rich history in fighting for consumers and workers' rights, our current leadership, our education and advocacy programs, and to discover ways for you to make a difference in the world. Remember, we can do this. Remember, we can do this.